Good morning, church. So good to see you all here today. Um, We have been in this five-week sermon series as we make our way through this season of Easter. It's called Come Holy Spirit. We are learning about um, the Holy Spirit, who he is, what he does. Two weeks ago, we saw that he is the helper, the one who helps us know God through Jesus. Uh, Last week, we saw he is the sanctifier. He is the one uh, who helps us become more and more like Jesus Christ as he works his grace in our lives. Um, And today, we're looking at the fact that he is the guide, the guide, Jesus says in this passage, um, the one who leads us into all truth. So let's look to John 16 together. You'll find this passage on page 12 in your bulletin or in your Bibles. I'm going to pray that God would help us understand his word. Let's pray together. We do say, come Holy Spirit. We need your help uh, apart from you and your illumination. Uh, we really not only can, can not only understand your word, but it certainly will have no impact in our lives. And so we do pray for your mercy and your help, first for me and my own weakness, and for all of us in our weakness, that we would not only hear your word today and understand it, help us to respond to it with obedience and love. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. Hear God's word, friends. This is absolutely true, and it is given to each of you in love. Jesus said this to his disciples, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. I remember studying Greek mythology and learning about the heroic journey, uh, this template of the heroic journey that runs like a thread through many ancient stories and Greek myths. Basically, there's a common pattern that is true to many ancient and Greek stories and myths, and that is that there is an ordinary guy who's just doing ordinary stuff, and he gets swept up into an extraordinary adventure uh, in which he must face some great crisis or a great trial And he eventually is able to overcome and defeat his enemy or whatever it is that faces him. And he was able to return home then as a transformed person. That's the heroic journey myth. And this same pattern is not only the storyline of all of the great epic stories like Odysseus and Perseus, but it's also the same storyline that many modern day epics borrow and adapt. So for example, Star Wars follows this same journey myth. Uh, The Lord of the Rings, um, even the Wizard of Oz. Um, use and adapt the same epic story of the, of the heroic journey. Now, essential to every one of these stories is this figure called the guide, the one who comes alongside the protagonist and helps him or her navigate through the treacheries of the journey, giving direction and helping them avoid danger and loss. For Odysseus, it's the god Hermes. And for Perseus, it's Athena. For Luke Skywalker, of course, it's Obi-Wan. Uh, For Frodo, it's Gandalf, and for Dorothy, it's Glinda, the good witch, you know, robed in pink, remember her? With the high-pitched voice, yes, Dorothy, that one. Um, (laughs) The guide 
The guide is the only, is the one that you cannot do without, and the one without whom you would hopelessly wander uh, and come to ruin. Friends, the reason why we love these stories, and the reason why we tell this story over and over again in all sorts of different ways is because it's true. You know, it's not literally true. It's true to our experience. It's true to one of these great longings that we all have, that we long for a guide. We long for someone to help us find our way through the darkness and dangers of this world. Is there anyone here who has not felt directionless, confused, and disoriented at some point in the life of the world that we live in? Anyone here? Never felt directionless, confused, or disoriented? Not a hand. Friends, the world is a treacherous place. The world is a confusing place, ever more so. There's little consensus about right and wrong. There's continual political instability, economic fluctuations, constant threat of terrorism and war, viral pandemics, environmental degradation. And that is just, I mean, that's just the big stuff. That's not even to mention all of the confusions and uncertainties and trials that you face in your own personal life when it comes to relationships and marriage and parenting and finances and aging and schooling and work and family and disease and health. Any wrong turn in any one of these areas can lead you into ruin. And so really the only certain thing that we all have in our lives is uncertainty. You cannot plan your life. You can't chart your course. The very few people who ever get their lives to exactly where they want them to be can't keep them there for very long. The only thing certain is uncertainty. And so the question is, how are you going to navigate this journey? How are you going to face the travails and trials of this world and do it in such a way that you will flourish? And the answer is, you need a guide. You need a guide. The myths are true. Life in this world is a journey full of confusion and danger, and you were not meant to go it alone. You need a guide. And here is the good news, friends. Hear me on this. Here's the good news. There's a God. This God loves you. And he wants to be your guide. This is one of the great themes of scripture, that despite humanity's rejection of God's guidance and turning away from his leading, God comes to his people again and again to reestablish relationship with them and to restore his guiding presence in their lives. We see him come to Abraham to lead him out of his homeland into a new place. We see him come to the people of Israel leading and guiding them through the sea and the wilderness. We see God incarnate in Jesus Christ, leading his people. God comes to his people to guide us through the darkness and dangers of this world. And all of this culminates in the gift of the Holy Spirit that Jesus right here says is the guide, the one who will lead you, not just out there, up there, in you, the very person, the third person of the Trinity given to his people to guide you through the travails of life. This is a gift of a guide for anyone to receive. What exactly, though, does that mean? That's what we want to ask today. How does this guidance of the Holy Spirit happen? Why do some people seem to have such certainty of the Holy Spirit's guidance and others of us don't? How do you know when you're hearing the Holy Spirit? How do you know if you're hearing the Holy Spirit and it's not just the sushi that you ate for lunch? You know, what, what does it even mean for the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us? These are big questions, and frankly, these are complicated and somewhat controversial questions that a lot of people in the Christian community debate about, and I certainly cannot give an answer to all of them here, but I think this glorious passage gives us a really good place to start. So let's look at it together. What does it mean for the Holy Spirit to be our guide? And I wanna look at it today under two headings. First of all, why the Holy Spirit guides us, and second, how he does it. The first is really the purpose of the Spirit's guidance, 
Why does he do it? And second, how he does it, the practice, the purpose and the practice, the, the why and the how. So let's look at these two things together. Are you with me, church? Are you out there? Okay, great. So first, let's look at why the Spirit guides us. What is the purpose of the Spirit's guidance? Is it so that, as, some, as many people say, people that I've known, is this, does the Spirit guide us so that we can know what to do in every single decision that we ever face in life? Um, J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God, tells the story of a woman who every morning woke up and prayed for the Holy Spirit's guidance in every single thing. Literally, when to get out of the bed, um, what shirt to put on, what shoe to put on first, or even to put on shoes. Someday she would come out of her house with only right, the right shoe on and the left shoe off, or only the sock on the right foot, because she said the Holy Spirit told her to do it. Is this, is this why the Holy Spirit wants to guide us, to help us with every single little detail and decision of our lives? Well, let's, let's turn to this passage and see what Jesus actually says, okay? He says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will speak, speak not in his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Listen to this. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Let me, let me try to make this as plain as I know how to say, okay? The primary purpose of the guidance of the Spirit is to give you a deeper knowledge of Jesus Christ. The primary purpose of the guidance of the Spirit is to give you, guide you into a deeper knowledge and experience of the love of God in Jesus Christ. He says, he will glorify me. The Spirit does not draw attention to himself. He draws all attention to Jesus Christ, glorifying him, taking what is Jesus's and giving it to you. That is the ultimate purpose of the Spirit's guidance to guide you into a deeper knowledge and experience of God's love for you in Christ. Now, some of you might be disappointed to hear this, right? Some of you really want guidance about what college to go to and who to date and who to marry and where to live and, you know, what, what job to take. And, and I want you to know, of course God cares about your everyday life. He cares about your decisions and your money and your job and your house and even your socks, even your shoes, he cares about, Jesus said he cares even about the number of hairs on your head. Of course he cares about such things. I'm just simply saying this. When the Bible speaks of guidance, it is, speaks not so much about guidance for our choices as in guiding us to be the kind of people who make good choices. The purpose of the Spirit's guidance is not so much to show us what to do in every single situation. The Spirit wants to make us into the kind of people who are able to navigate every situation in life. Does, does that make sense what I'm saying? Then we will become the kind of people who are doing God's will because we know and experience the love of God in Christ. Look, take Paul's prayers, for example. Paul's prayers are a wonderful example of this. He is speaking to people in incredibly challenging and dire circumstances who surely face many more complex decisions and trials that many of us face. And I want you to pay attention to what Paul prays for them. What does Paul pray for them? When you read his prayers, like in Ephesians 3 or Ephesians 1 or Galatians 4, he doesn't say, I pray that you'll know what to do. I pray you'll know, you know, how to handle this problem. I pray that you'll know what chariot to buy, you know. I pray that you know what job to take. I pray that you'll know how to manage your retirement funds. No, he says this, I pray that you would be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith. In other words, I pray that the Holy Spirit would so open your eyes to see the love of Christ that you would become the kind of person that is able to navigate all of the trials that you find yourself in. 
Why does Paul pray this? Because, friends, listen to this. He knows that the biggest problem in your life and mine, the biggest problem in your life is not your bum job, you know, is not your difficult marriage, is not your ailing health, is not the difficult decisions you're not trying to make, is not the debt that you owe. The main problem in your life is that you do not know and live what is true, and that is that you are now God's beloved in Jesus Christ. That is the greatest need in your life, not to get better circumstances or make better decisions. The greatest need in your life is to know and experience and live the love of God in Christ. You can have the very best circumstances and not know the love of Christ and make a total mess of your life. And you can have the very worst circumstances and know the love of Christ and absolutely flourish. This is what Jesus is teaching here. He says the main job of the Spirit is to guide you into a deeper knowledge of him and his love. I love what J.I. Packer says. He says, the Spirit is the spotlight of the Trinity. Don't you love that, that, that image? The Spirit is the spotlight of the Trinity. If you've ever been in a dark theater before, and, and you can just sort of vaguely see things up on the stage, and then you hear some footsteps, and the spotlight comes on, and suddenly there's a single person on the stage illuminated with light. You can't see the spotlight. You can't see anything else. You can only see the person. And this is what the Spirit does. He comes on and he illumines Jesus Christ within the soul. He takes all that Jesus is and all that he does and all of his grace and power and mercy and suddenly makes it a very powerful reality in your soul. That's how you know the Spirit is guiding you because you are experiencing more deeply the love of God in Christ. And, and his love is becoming more real than your problems, stronger than than the the rejection that you face. You're so fortified in his love that you're able to handle criticism and suffering. When Jesus in his love shines so strong that it makes other things dim. The Holy Spirit is the only one who can do that in a heart. He's the only one who can do that in a soul. I can't do that. No matter how good I try to preach, no matter how much I yell at you, you no matter how much your mama tells you, you cannot, I cannot do this work. The Spirit is the only one who can. No one ever learned that God loved them by being told so. Why? I know this because I tell you every week. You know? I tell you every week. And and you just go home and say, oh yeah, Corey, Pastor Corey told me that God loves me, so now I believe it. No, you don't. I know you don't because if you did, you wouldn't live the way that you do. You know? You wouldn't live with the anxiety. You wouldn't live with the fear. You wouldn't live with the pride and the selfishness. I wouldn't either if I actually believed it. You have to be shown those things. The Spirit has to illumine Jesus Christ in your soul. You have to go through something really hard where you thought that God abandoned you and then the Spirit reveals to you that he didn't and he makes his love for you known. The Spirit is the only one who could do that in a soul. A few years ago, I was, I was in a really difficult season in my life and I was facing a lot of um, discouragement and facing a lot of difficult circumstances and some hard choices. And I... Um, I, I was on a retreat with some friends, and I woke up early one morning, and I went on a run. We were in the Blue Ridge Mountains, and I ran up into the mountains, and I came out into an open field. And, um, and I was just, I mean, I, I didn't even know if God was there. It was, that was, that was that kind of point in my life. And um, I just cried out, and, and God took this, this verse that I had read the day before, John 12, 43, and it just says this. Jesus says, don't love the praise of men more than you love the praise of God. And I never even thought about that before, that I thought about praising God, but that God praises me? 
that God, like a father praising a child, would praise and adore and ravish me with his love. And I'm telling you, friends, I just stood there in that field, and the Spirit just took that single phrase, the praise of God, and drove it into my heart like an arrow in a target. And I just stood there drinking that in, the praise of God. And I didn't want to come home. I eventually did. And when I came home, do you think I knew exactly what to do about all my problems? No, sir. But do you think I was a different kind of person who was able to suddenly navigate those problems with a little bit more courage, a little bit more poise, a little bit more humility, a little bit more courage? Indeed, I was. And that's what the Spirit wants to do. Not give you absolute clarity about every single thing in your life, but to make you the kind of person who is able to navigate the uncertainties and the trials of life. There's the main work to shine Jesus up in the soul so that you are so fortified in the knowledge of the love of God in Christ that even if you don't know what to do, you know what kind of person to be, the kind of person who is able to face life with courage and poise and humility. So that's the purpose of the Spirit's guidance, is to make us more like Jesus Christ, to drive us into the love of God in Christ, okay? So second, though, how does he do this? And how, how does he actually do this work in us? And, and, what, and I know some of you are asking, what about the fact that I still have to make choices all the time? Let me just say this. God is God, and because he is God, he can guide and communicate however he wants to. In Scripture, we see God guiding in all sorts of ways. Dreams, visions, prophecies, speaking in tongues, um, speaking audibly to people. There are times in the book of Acts where it says the Spirit actually sort of tells people to do things, go this way, don't go that way, blocks people from going certain ways. So I want you to hear me on this. The Spirit of God can and does guide and lead in all sorts of extraordinary ways, and I've even seen some of these ways. I am just simply saying this, that if you spend your life looking for these extraordinary means of God's guidance, you will be disappointed because the ordinary means of guidance are the things that God has made available to you all the time. And these are the things the scripture spends most of the time speaking about. So that's what I want to talk about right now. What are the ways that the spirit guides you in the ordinary ways of life? The first one is scripture. Jesus says here, he will guide you into all the truth. He will tell you what is to come. Jesus is speaking to the apostles who will go on to write the New Testament and who will take the words of Jesus and codify them in the truth of the word of God. We know and believe that the main way we hear God's voice today, those of us who have the Bible, is through the reading and teaching of God's word. This is the primary way that the Spirit speaks to us today. He guides us through the word of God. What does that look like? Well, first of all, the Spirit makes God's general will for all of us plain in the scriptures. Right? There are choices that you will face in your everyday life where there is clear direction given by scripture. For example, I once had a man come to me and tell me that even though he was married, he had a strong sense that the spirit was leading him to leave his spouse and marry someone else. So I thought about that. I said, look, the spirit leads us into truth. The truth is that God wants you to stay married to your wife. So I'm pretty sure that what you're feeling uh, is not the Holy Spirit, but is an overly active endocrine gland. You know, that's what I... <laughs> That's what I think you're experiencing. It's very important not to confuse um, the Holy Spirit and hormones. You get what I'm saying? There are many clear decisions uh, that can be weighed by Scripture. And I would say, you, and, and I want to exhort you on this, you should be very wary of anyone who tells you that they have clearly heard guidance from the Holy Spirit to do this and this or do such and such if it is not plainly given to you in Scripture. You know, I, I remember in our Christian fellowship group um, in college, I mean, it was like once a week, 
that some guy told some girl or some girl told some guy that they were supposed to break up because the Holy Spirit told them to. Friends, if, it really, if the Holy Spirit really made all these breakups, God is running a seriously dubious dating business. Um, you know, we must, we, must be, uh, we must be wary of these things and think we must hold tentatively and modestly to these things if they are not plainly given and revealed in the Word of God. There are, though, many things that aren't in the Word of God, um, like what college you should go to and what job you should take and what retirement facility you should choose for your aging mother. I mean, these are decisions that you have to make every day. How does the Holy Spirit help you with such things? Well, going back to the last point, remember what we said. What God most wants from you is not to tell you exactly what to do in every single decision in your life, but to make you the kind of person who is wise and godly and who is able to know how to navigate all of the ups and downs of life. And the way that happens is the formation of the Spirit through the Word of God. That the more you spend time in the Scriptures, the more you will let it shape your values and your convictions, your attitudes, your ideals, and your goals. In the end, you become a person who is able to make good choices and who is doing the will of God. You know, I sometimes wish I could hear from God exactly what he wants me to do in every single situation. I mean, think how easy life would be. If, that, if, you know, if it could be that way. But those of you who are parents, is that what you want for your kids? <laughs> you know, um, my sweet girls, you know, just about every morning they ask me what they should wear that day because of the weather. What should we wear? And, and I, loved, I love telling them because, you know, I'm their dad and their kids. But I really hope when they're 25, they're not calling me and asking me what they should wear every day. <laughs> right? Why? Because if they do, that is a failure of parenting. You know, Sarah and I, our hopes are is that our girls are experiencing such formation in our household that they are, will become women who are able to make wise and good choices and not call us about every little decision that they make. And this is what God wants for us. This is what the scriptures do. Peter says, like infants crave spiritual milk, that is God's word, that by it you may grow up into salvation. And we grow up through the word of God as the spirit makes it clear and understandable to us. So when you read the scriptures, friends, and I exhort you to do so, don't just read for information. Read for relationship. Read for relationship. The Spirit speaks through the Word of God. How many times has this happened to Christians where they are reading a piece of Scripture and suddenly it, it jumps off the page? It, it, it's, it's almost like illumined. You say, have I ever read this before? Have I ever seen this verse before? Have I seen it? Why? Of course you've read it hundreds of times. Why? Because the Spirit is taking that verse and illuminating it and driving it into your soul, guiding you into the love of Christ. And when the Spirit does that, as you read and you come to a word or phrase and it seems to jump off the page to you, what do you do? You stop. You, you talk to the Spirit. You say, Spirit, why are you illuminating? Why are you giving this to me today? What is going on in my life for which I needed this word today? And you begin to hear the Spirit through the Word of God. The more you marinate in the Scriptures, the more time you spend in the Scriptures, the more you will have experiences like the apostles on the road. Did our hearts not burn within us as he opened the Scriptures unto us? The more you know the Word of God, the more you hear his voice. So that's Scripture. Secondly, the conscience. The Spirit leads and guides us to live in accordance with the new person that we are in Christ. We talked about this last week. Uh, Paul in Romans 8 says... Those who are led by the Spirit live as sons of God. Paul says in Galatians 5, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. He's appealing to us that we have been made new in Christ, 
So now we're called to live as citizens of Spiritopia. You remember that from last week? Those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, go back and hear the sermon from last week. And the Spirit is the one who reminds us of our identity and who is now living in us and is prompting you to live in accordance with your new identity in Christ, directing you to make choices that are aligned, not with the flesh, but with the Spirit. Sometimes this is called yielding to the Spirit. You know, Richmond seems to have a love affair with traffic circles. Have you, have you seen this? There's like 92 of them in Churchill alone. Um, and, and of course, we're Americans. We don't know how to use traffic circles. <laughs> but he, here's, here's how you do it. So when you're coming up to the traffic circle, if someone has entered into the traffic circle or gets to the traffic circle before you, you're supposed to let them go and you're supposed to wait and let them go. And whatever speed they're going, you just kind of follow in behind them and you yield to them, Right. And so this is what we're called to do. We're to follow, well, I'll just admit to you that oftentimes I will come to the traffic circle. I'll see someone coming around and I'm in a hurry and I'm like, I can beat that dude. And so, <laughs> so I just kind of speed out and go around. That's resisting. That's not yielding, that's resisting. And this is what we can do to the spirit. The spirit is coming around. He's leading us into something and we can either resist and refuse and go our own way or we can follow the lead of the spirit, you know? The consumption that we indulge in. You know, the Spirit says, you've had enough to eat. You've had enough to drink. You just watch your eighth consecutive hour of Netflix. You know, it's time to turn it off. Do do, do you resist the Spirit or do you yield? You know, the Spirit says, go, serve, encourage, extend yourself. Write that note, write the email. Do Do you resist the Spirit or do you yield? The Spirit says, go ask for forgiveness. Speak to your friend about the resentment that you bear against them. Speak to your spouse about this wound that you carry. Do you resist the spirit or do you yield? And you will find over time that the more you yield to the spirit and follow the lead of the spirit, the easier it becomes to actually live as this new person that you already are in Christ. This is not the same thing as having an inner feeling of peace. Oftentimes um, people are told that you know if the spirit is leading you, if you have peace about it, Friends, do you think Jesus had peace about going to the cross? Do you think as Jesus agonized in the garden, he was trying to get a place of inner... I tell you, friends, if Jesus waited for inner peace, we'd be damned. Oftentimes, the Spirit leads us to do things in, in, in ways that, that, that are not the places even that we want to go. Just recently, I sensed a strong prompting of the Spirit to confess wrongdoing of my own to a friend. Did I feel peace about it? No, I did not. Did I want to do it? No, I did not. Did I know the Spirit guided me to do it? Yes. Because it was to do so, was to live in accordance with the man that I am now claimed by Jesus Christ and to now walk in his way. So scripture, conscience, and finally community. You see every time in this passage, Jesus says you, he says, he's actually using the second person plural. Let me translate this Southern. He says, I have much more to say to y'all, more than you can now bear. The Spirit will come, and he will tell y'all what's to come. That's what Jesus is saying here. This is very difficult for us who have no, unless you're Southern, have no way of translating a second-person plural. But this is what Jesus is saying here. He is not speaking of discernment and as a single solitary affair with you and the Holy Spirit hanging out. He is talking to a community. And he is saying that the Spirit often guides the, together the community into truth. It, I love it in Acts 15, as they wrestle with what to do with recently converted Gentiles, Um, It says that they worked together, they paid attention to circumstances, they studied God's word, they used their own common sense, they prayed fervently, and it says they came to a conclusion 
And they said, it seems good to the Spirit and to us. The Spirit helped them together come to a conclusion. You know, Steve Hartman, our former pastor here, really taught me this. I remember once at a, a meeting of the elders, maybe some of you were there, but we were really grappling with a decision that we, and there was lots of disagreement. We talked for maybe for an hour. And, and finally, Steve just said, friends, we've, we've lost our way here. Let's stop. Let's be still. Let's listen. And so we stopped, and we were all quiet and silent. We began to pray. And about 10 minutes later, we said amen, and one dude said, I know what to do. And the other people said, yeah, we agree with you. Two minutes, it's done. What happened? It was good to the Spirit and good for us. And the Spirit led us collectively into the knowledge of what to do. In the body of Christ, it is not just we individually who have the Spirit. Collectively, we are the household of the Spirit. And so we listen deeply to one another and weigh choices and challenges together. We are not hopeless wanderers, friends, because not only do we have God the Spirit, we have one another. So let me sum up. Why does the Spirit guide us? How does the Spirit guide us? He guides us because he wants to guide us into an experience of the love of God in Jesus Christ. That is his job. He is the spotlight shining up the, the, the person of Jesus. He, he does not so much want to give you direction about every single decision in your life. He wants to make you the kind of person who is able to navigate life well. And the more you know the love of Christ, the more you will be that person. How does he do this? He does it through the scriptures. He does it through our own, the own witness of our conscience. And he does it through the Christian community. Friends, Jesus says that the spirit who is a guide is a gift for anyone. It is a gift that he has won for you through his blood-bought sacrifice on the cross. He has torn down the wall that estranged you and God. And he now opens the way for the very guiding presence of God through the Spirit to come into your life. Have you received this guide? You cannot do life without him. It just simply means acknowledging, first of all, that you cannot do life on your own, that you will make a mess of your journey. And second, that you admit your helplessness and receive his grace. And that in doing so, you receive the gift of the Spirit and you begin the journey of learning to listen to him and to follow him. One of my favorite bands, Mumford & Sons, has a song called Hopeless Wanderer. And it goes like this. Don't hold a glass over the flame. Don't let your heart grow cold. I will call you by name. I will share your rote. Friends, through Jesus, those are God's words to you. You are no longer a hopeless wanderer. I will share your road. I will be your guide. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you do not leave us directionless. You do not leave us without a guide. That through this treacherous journey of life, you are not just above us, you are not just beyond us, but you are with us in and through the person of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for anyone here today who is in a situation where they are deeply challenged, where they do not feel your presence, where they don't know what to do, where they are, feel afraid and alone. I pray that the Spirit, even today, would deepen in them a sense of their own belovedness in Christ and that they would be fortified in the love of Christ and that you would give them the courage, the poise, the humility, um, the readiness to face pain, that you would give all of that through the Spirit of God today. Help us to be a, a community that listens to the Spirit and follows him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.